like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. To see Tony Vaca perform is to see poetry in motion with this combination of percussion and spoken word and often accompanied by a variety of musicians from the USA and Africa, you'll find yourself surfing the edge of heart, head, and soul experience. Tony's got a lot to say, so count on coming to the NordenSpiritRadio.org website for bonus excerpts and one more song. Really, there's riches we just can't fit into this broadcast, so come and visit and post a comment when you do. Right now, we'll take you to Northampton, Massachusetts, to visit with Tony Vaca. Tony, I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. Really fun to continue our conversation that kind of began last summer. Yes. Speaking of that, last summer, you're at the Friends General Conference gathering, the FGC gathering. You gave a presentation on Wednesday night for all of us. I, mean, I don't know, there was a thousand people there or something. But you were also doing other things in the week. What were the other things you did? We were doing a, a series of hands-on workshops where I was using world music partly as an experience of music and vibration. It's partly as a, a doorway into conversations of global citizenship and our interconnectedness and you know music is always that so I got to work with some of the mostly the young folks but uh, you know everybody showed up and, and dared to jump into my invitation to play the music and see what happened so it was a very special gathering I really enjoyed every minute of it tell you the truth and I enjoyed it thoroughly afterwards I got in touch with you right away said I'd like to have you as my guest on Song of the Soul you got your butt moving you got the music ready picked out that you wanted to share and I was supposed to set something up, but there were two things going on. In August, I went off to the Congo for a couple of weeks, so I was so busy with that. You went off somewhere also by early fall or somewhere like that. Where did you go? Well, for me, it was not so much uh, international borders. It was friends of mine had been coming from Senegal, and so they were here, and we were on our own mini-tour adventure most of which was working on new material, going into the studio to finish up things we had set in motion a while ago. So while I wasn't crossing any, any borders, I was definitely on the go. So it was, you know, it was an adventurous time. So, you know, I think we're, I think we're talking at just the right time now. Well, you do make a number of trips over to Africa, or you have made a number of trips. Give me a little bit of that history of how did you connect with Africa? How did you connect with that music? How did that get into your soul? Wow, that's a great question. It goes way, I mean, it really does go way back, partly to my parents' passion for music. 
you know, they were in their day, their popular music turns out in hindsight to be Count Basie and Duke Ellington and all the swing music. And, and I heard a lot of that. And so early on, I just heard what they were listening to. And it just struck me as outside my sphere. I, I kept relating to it you know, as a kid would to the music of a parent, you know, I'm going, that's their stuff. I, not, not me, you know, that kind of thing. And, but it, it had an effect, which was that as different as music of a generation could be, or music as from one part of the world or another, the diversity of it was pretty rich. And while I wouldn't admit, admit to my parents how cool it was, it was cool music. That sort of set me, <laughs> true. <laughs> true. that kind of thing set me off you know, it just got me going, and I took an interest in the way what we might call sort of popular music in America just exploded. So in the 60s, when the Beatles sort of started to stretch the boundaries, I felt pretty comfortable, and it just got me rolling. And by the time I graduated college, I just knew it was time for me to see the world, and my musical world was saying, you know, you got to jump into the whole to the African world because I wanted to get back to my musical roots and I wanted to jump into doing the jazz drumming that was really in my ear, so to speak. So many of the players whose music I listened to, from John Coltrane to Pharoah Sanders to Miles Davis to Archie Shepp, they all were bringing up the discussion of the connection of African traditions to the latest, hippest, coolest, left-of-center jazz. And I just took off. You know, I'm, I'm going to, to West Africa, Mom and Dad, because I want to get back to my music. And they just scratched their heads and smiled and said, send a postcard. You know, and <laughs> off I went. <laughs> they were a little perplexed, but they just figured, really? You know, and... You know, there was no, this wasn't in the days of, you could Google it and see why it happened. They just sort of scratched their heads. But you know something, come to think of it, my dad, when he was in World War II, would send letters to my mom. I bet they had more experience than I knew at the time with, you know, it could take a long time because surely there were delays because of the censorship and it was World War II and he was in a, you know, on the Bunker Hill. So that was pretty strategic little stuff there for them. So, you, you know, just when you think your parents don't know, uh, come to think of it, they probably did. <laughs> what year was that? Yeah, the first trip, 1972. We're going ancient history. <laughs> yeah, like you said, no Google, no Internet. I was in Togo, West Africa, in the Peace Corps from 77 to 79. It's like okay. a <laughs> letter. When there's a mail strike in France, then it didn't get there for six weeks. Who knows? But you just put up with it. <laughs> exactly. So that was your first trip there, and is that when you picked up the music, or was that subsequent trips? No, I mean, that really was. So much happened on that first trip, and that was my real reason for going. I mean, the real literal impetus, I was at UMass, I was a senior, and I was taking a course called Cultures of West Africa, and it was being taught by Janetta Cole, who was a real intellectual firebrand. She was just an amazing teacher, African-American kind of motherly figure. She would watch out for you, but she would push you hard. So I really enjoyed her class. So she'd ask me for these reports. You know, she'd give me a chance to write, to pick my subject. And I'd always pick the music of Pharoah Sanders and its connection to traditional West African drumming. You know, and I'd start writing about it. And I wrote one paper after another, things of that nature, because I was fascinated by the tension between traditional music that Americans might view as ancient or way back in time, 
not up to date, so to speak. And this misconception would make them think that they couldn't generally put contemporary and African music in the same sentence, when really the traditional music, and you probably know yourself, the traditional music there was very wrapped up in its timeliness and how it pertained to to what people were talking about. So I just, from reading, from hearing the musicians who I really liked, who go into their concerts, hearing what they had to say, I just had a feeling this was true. And so Janetta one day says, Tony, I want to see you after class. I'm like, oh, here it comes, boy, some fire from Janetta. She's like, Tony, you got to go to Africa, just like that. <laughs> you know, and she had a very embracing kind of way of being challenging. She just took her finger and pointed right at my chest. You got to go to Africa. You're writing this stuff, and I sense that you're right on it, but there's a whole world just waiting for you. You got to go. And so she introduced me to some folks she knew who had recently gone on such a trip. And really, her training was as an anthropologist. So she had the connections. And next thing you know, I was planning on going and I went. And then a couple of years later, there was Janetta talking to Ted Koppel, you know. Ted Koppel would always be looking for how does this play with the African-American community. And Janetta had gone on to be the president of Spelman College for Women in Atlanta. And somehow Ted Koppel would ask her, you know, about her opinions on matters. And she was about the only person I ever saw just cool Ted Koppel out. So wait a minute, Ted, and then just, you know, <laughs> let him have it <laughs> and told her his opinion. So... It was Janetta who really just took my whisper of a thought and turned it into, you got to go. So you went and you had six months there. I noticed yeah. that your first recording that you have listed on the TonyVaca.com webpage, the first recording is listed as 2001. There's a long distance between 1972 and 2001. It, it takes a while for the egg to hatch, for the maturation, a long gestation period. What was that? Well, for one thing, in the 70s, I was really just getting my musical voice, you know, really just finding it and polishing it. And remember, in those days, most of really what you did when you were a musician was play. Um, the idea of a recording comes from the idea that a record label would take interest in you. And you have to spend some real time and energy getting their attention. And I was more wrapped up in... I'm doing it, and if what I do is worthy, then my phone will ring. And so I just played on and on, and it really wasn't until the early 80s that it became possible to make a record yourself. And I just sort of took that on with my longtime friend and collaborator, Tim Moran, who was a saxophone player, and we just announced to ourselves, we're making a recording. It got picked up by a little independent label that was connected to Rounder Records called Philo Records, they saw it as kind of somewhere between jazz and folk music, what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so we did a couple of recordings, and the one was called Wizard's Dance, and that was me and Tim. And the next one was called City Spirits, and that was me and Tim and Don Cherry, famous pocket trumpet player. Then in the 1990s, I was working in a group called Winds of Change, and that was me and Tim Moran and bass player David Wortman. That's how I got from 72 to you know 1999, when all that all that other stuff started happening. Well, why don't you get us started on your Song of the Soul music? What do you want to start with, Tony? How about On the Edge? That's like a great way to describe what was happening in that gestation period where I was trying to find my way into making the recordings. And it's more updated than way back then, but 
Yeah, that's a great place. So you made that song sometime before? I mean, it's on Zen Rant, which came out in 2002, but it predates that by quite a bit? Well, not so much the words. The words were right around the mid-90s, and I was more or less writing letters to myself. And these things became much of the material of Zen Rant. So On the Edge was really me just sending a message to myself just about my own kind of spiritual journey. It morphed into a musical thing when it started to hit me that these writings, while they were really good medicine for me, just might have some value. And I think one day I included one of them in a performance and people just made a point of saying, you need to put this stuff out there. So that's how on the edge came to be what it is. He walked along the edge of an ocean, as vast as the ocean of wonder within his body and mind. There was a din of human voice and activity that was boisterous and attractive, and so easily swallowed up by the gentle purr and whisper of the waves. Along the shoreline were the bodies of small animals, flesh and bone reminders of the tired souls who had laid themselves down. They became the decor of our habitat, their bleached flesh standing in final watch over the realms of ocean, sky, and land. His every breath was a quiet call for intimacy with another human being, and he was practical enough to envision the daily nature of such a thing. But the essence of his soul was unreasonably hungry for overwhelming love. Wave after wave pounded on the shore like the endless pounding of his hopes to know and be known by all of who she might be. He bathed in the near infinity of these waters like he wanted to bathe in her arms, in her embrace, in the waters of her mind and body. He kissed the sky and was caressed by the cool ocean breezes as he would kiss and be caressed by her. He felt the pull of the moon and tides. He felt the intoxicating effects of these natural forces run through him. He was cleansed inside and out by the hot sun, the cold, turbulent waves, the sweet wash of humanity, and the chatter that surrounded the island of his consciousness that he was so hungry to share. The day would soon melt into the red, the violet, and the final blue-black of night. He would sleep and dream suspended in this ocean as he had moved among the cool waters of his daytime mind, as he had slept on the beach of this small moment of paradise. He longed for all of him to be enveloped in her touch, as sweetly and completely as he was held by the oceans of day and night. His heart beat, his skin felt the whisper of wind across what he wore of the cool water. His hair was still wet, his mind surged under the influence of his small piece of infinite life. He looked straight into the hall of mirrors of his human legacy. The sun was hot with the heat of this longest day, and the waves, the waves kept on coming as the river of tears he once cried returned home to the sea. Tony Vaca is sharing his song of the soul today. That song is On the Edge. It's from Zen Rant. 
You know, that one starts out with that stringed instrument. Is that a Western stringed instrument, or is it one of the African indigenous stringed instruments? That's African indigenous, and it's being played by Barusal. The instrument is called Hodu, and Baru is one of the real masters of this instrument. He's a very modern person when you talk to him, but he's very ancient-oriented, and wow, does he surf that edge so well. But the instrument, Hodu, people will refer to it as one of the early predecessors of banjo. It's part of that instrument that became the banjo in America. But instead of having a round body, it has an oblong body, a a long bowl-like structure made of wood, and it has an animal skin, like a goat skin face. So it's like the banjo in that it's a drum-like, a skin over an open wooden resonator with one long neck and typically three or four, sometimes five strings. And I met Baru because he is the Hodu player for Bob Amal, and I met Baru when I met Bob Amal and got the chance to work with him. And Man, when Baru plays, you just stop in your tracks and sit down and listen, and that's why those words went with that music. So you've got your combination of spoken word. You're running all over doing percussion. I mean, I saw you in concert, so I, I saw the physical workout that is your performance. <laughs> right. Do you also play these other instruments, like the hodu? No. It, when I, it was just my good fortune to run into Baru, and I just said, Baru, I'm gonna. I have something I want to say with words, and it's really it's as deep as I can go. And he said. I got that, you know, <laughs> he didn't say it in English, <laughs> you know, he said it in Walla, but, but he meant it. He played that, and I just kept listening, you know, and just let him play, and I was so curious to bring it back to him with the words, which I did, like, two years later, after I finished it, and he just sort of smiled, and, and he said in English, I never hear the hoodoo like that, I like I like it. <laughs> Just like that. I was, I was like, oh, that's, boy, that's what I wanted to hear. I put a, just a little bit of digital delay, a little touch. So when he plays the string, you, you think you can hear it echo in your head, and, and you can. And it just added a, a sparkle, which he doesn't really need, but it really did have a nice effect. And the idea was to, oh, I don't know, I guess to get the listener to lean in and feel embraced because you know i was talking about some time for me when i felt on the edge and trying to keep my connection with myself and and an ever-changing life well and one of your lines in there his every breath was quiet call for intimacy with another human being you know Hmm. you go on to say to know and be known you were breaking through on some level there what was that what was going on i had a long-term relationship had ended And I literally was, what it says I was doing, that's what I was doing. I was walking along the edge of the ocean on Cape Cod, and I was looking down, and it was the end of the day, and I'm looking down at all those tiny, really small little pieces of of skeleton that you see, you know, from the little tiny creatures. It just washes up, and, you know, we don't think too much of it, but I'm thinking life and death just washing up and down at my right at my feet, and what's my time? How do I find my way in all this? So I was feeling partly, partly heartbroken, partly healed and healing, and partly almost breathless for what comes next. You know, I'm, I'm ready, but I just kept looking at everything, 
seeing the wonder of it all and seeing the challenge. It, it was, I guess I could say, look, in hindsight, it was a great time, but it was really a very agitated, tough edge to be on when you're on it. My personal experience is that that edge, being there on that edge, is what brings up my connection to spirit. When I'm feeling comfortable, when things are going along smoothly, when I'm just very happy, that doesn't lead me to the edge where I open that door that I look on. Mm. So on the edge makes perfect sense for me, and that's the doorway into the spirit world. Yeah, it's why we are infinitely capable of experiencing our deepest self it's right there you know i mean it really is right there but the ability to get there i mean it's it's a picture of our of our evolution itself you know we're life is a challenging thing and to stay alive in days before you know this century you go back a couple centuries and it's a little more challenging just to survive and i think when we get to the edge or when we're pushed a little bit or maybe a lot doors open up that, you know, it's like films that you watch kids watch, you know, there's, there's always some magical thing and it's almost pretended magic. And I think we really truly are creatures capable of those things that are often portrayed as magical. It's not magical. It's really possible. It's us. And all that just was reminding me of my transformation. And if I remember at the, the end of the piece, the end of the whole thing, the last words I say, the waves kept coming as the river of tears he once cried returned home to the sea. I felt like I should just fall on my knees and cry right then and there. But, you know, I said, you know what? This is good. You see this? This is what feeling and being alert, this is what it's about. It's not about sitting there with your feet up on the beach and your sunglasses on. That's waiting for something to happen. <laughs> this is something happening. You are feeling it. So good. And that, that was my, that was the conversation that was going on that got me, when I wrote that thing down, when I wrote On the Edge, I had no idea I was writing something. I was just making a note, you know. Well, keep us going with your music. What's next? Uh, let's jump in the tarot card. I guess I was using the, the idea of we create a deck of cards, but I'm not really thinking of it that way. I'm thinking of we see that there are infinite ways to go, and we write them down as if they we notate the path that we might take. In a forest, you would know this path is going in this direction. It takes you to the water. This path is going this way. It takes you deeper into the forest and to the edge of the mountains. My approach to or my thought about tarot card, it's kind of what if you could just travel in an imaginary way, the paths that you might take and imagine the possibilities you have rather than think of it as I'm being told what my path will be. I was sort of telling myself all these paths you can imagine, you can take them. You just have to dare. And that was the beginning of you know the conversation to myself. But really, this is about after the desolation of On the Edge, I find somebody. I'm in love. I'm feeling it. And we go on to adopt our daughter. And all this is sort of wrapped in there. How I'm throwing open the doors of my heart. How I'm prepared for a battle if it's necessary, but not with love. Just with moving forward, letting go. I'm ready to scale the walls of a fortress and, and slay the dragon guard so I can move forward. You know? <laughs> a little overdramatic, but that's what I wrote. And the song is Tarot Card. The night is wrapped with strong arms around me. 
deep nothingness of sleep holds and surrounds me. I'm wandering at the edge of dream and reality with what I have in love and what love has in me. The black night becomes a luminescent blue. The fading dark becomes light as I pass through the shroud of morning's twilight zone. I still feel your kiss. I scale the wall of a fortress. I slay the dragon guard. I elude the demons of the sorcerer. I draw the tarot card. My love.
It's from the recording Rhythm and Flow by Tony Vaca. Tony's website is tonyvaca.com. Vaca is V-A-C-C-A. Any question about spelling, come via northernspiritradio.org. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org. On that site, you'll find nine and a half years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find connections to our guests, like that to Tony. You'll find a place to post comments and to read other people's comments. Please do comment when you visit, because we love two-way communication. There's also a donate button, a place where you can share your support. We do live by your donations, by your generosity. But even more than supporting Northern Spirit Radio, I want to encourage you to support your local community radio station. Start there with your wallet and hands. Make sure that you bring that slice of news and music that you get through community radio that you get nowhere else on the American airwaves. Again, we're with Tony Vaca. His music has been described a number of different ways, streetwise fusion of jazz, world music, and spoken word. There's genius in what he says. There's heart flowing all over the place. There's spirit sparkling in the sky above us, all of that. And we just heard one of his songs, Tarot Card, which brings out so much at the Tarot Card of Love. Of course, I, you know, I don't know all my tarot cards, but maybe you know what that looks like. Can you describe it to me, Tony? I'm really not part of the cognoscenti of, of tarot cards, but I do know it shows love. You know, that's, you look at a picture, and, but the idea of, you know, you go down a path and you draw this card, it was like that. You know, I, I had managed, I, I asked for the chance to find, I don't know, someone and, and have them find me. And not only did I get that, but then the two of us found our daughter through adoption. And that was that was a miracle in itself. And, and so much going on in that song because so much was going on in my life. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So give me a little bit idea about your spirituality, where it comes from, where it goes to. Obviously, got connected up with Africa. And since I lived in West Africa for a couple of years, mm. I have a sense of in Togo what they have. You're with the Wolof people in Senegal. And do you know the language locally? Are you in Dakar? Or are you out in the villages? Where are you connecting with spirit? Well, well, Okay, so uh, you do speak, speak some, it, huh? I can tell. I can speak some. <laughs> I can speak some Wallop. But I really was able, during my trip to West Africa, I was able to go from Senegal to Mali to Burkina Faso to Cote d'Ivoire to Ghana and right to the edge of Togo. So you and I share some overlap. But in terms of uh, spirituality or what it is that you know has helped me find my way, I think the notion 
of what's sometimes referred to as animism, that everything is alive. I kind of like that idea. And for me, rather than capital O, organized religion, I just figure throughout uh, the history of human beings, we certainly sense a life force at work. And that's kind of, that's where I'm at. I'm at the, if you just can feel this life force, you will find a right way to act. You'll find a right way to proceed. I don't really have to have a book to tell me do's and don'ts, but I listen to any book that wants to talk to me about do's and don'ts. So I don't find myself with a lot of rules written down, but I definitely know the difference between this feels right. This seems to bring up a good energy between me and others. And I guess I'm asking myself usually, if I continue on this path, does it leave a trail that benefits us all in this circle and if it emanates further and further can you still feel good about your choices and that's my guideline kind of simple as that it's big for me it's deep for me I gotta feel right one-on-one and I gotta feel right in the world and thinking about that in terms of the tarot card song you know here I am loving being in love and here I am in this you know at the time of the song and writing about it feeling what was you know, I knew I was soon to hear the sound of my unborn daughter's voice. I'm thinking that we're going to adopt this unknown entity, and she's going to have a voice, and she's going to have a life. And, and I, my arms are open. I'm going, yeah. You know, I'm in love, and I'm asking for more. Meanwhile, there's conflict. There's world conflict coming up. The whole series of oil wars that we fell into in the 1990s, is spilling into the 2000s and here I am at this turn of the century and we haven't seemed to have the benefit of what we think we call wisdom. Uh, well, here we are again. And so here I am in intimate personal love and at some point I say something like, you know, a thousand voices, the horrible commotion of war is burning while you and I seek love. <laughs> you know, you throw open your, your heart, you say, I want to ride what comes, and then what comes while you're in this intimate adventure is a freaking world war of concepts where different worlds naming themselves by different religions start fighting over stuff that we, could, we should all be sharing because otherwise we perish. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we had the time for it, you'd hear another song of Tony's right now called Trouble Souls and some incredibly powerful comments about the lame, vain, arrogant, mistaken belief that there is a heaven, that there is a hell beyond the here and now. But we don't have that time, so find the bonus excerpts on northernspiritradio.org. Well, there's so much beauty and truth and power in what you've got to share, Tony. Let's get to another song quickly before our hour gets gone. How about Omar's prayer? Look at this. We're going right into a prayer, you know? We're going to play it right away, and then we'll talk afterwards. Omar's Prayer by Tony Vaca. One child's prayer rose to the sky In a land some thought God had forgotten The voice, the words, the music The red-orange dirt of the city street against his black skin It was a rescue mission and acknowledgement Of our very human condition 
He sang two and he sang four the part of us all that is God. His eyes were quiet with a weight beyond his few years. His arms were thin and strong. His hands were capable, though usually empty. He touched and soothed the heavy hearts of all who would listen. The mud walls of his neighborhood were part city, part village, part ancient, part weary 21st century, and they would glow from the warmth of his soul and his songs. They were prayers that floated among the peoples of this place and then rode the gentle winds to what there was of heaven. The rags he wore for clothes hung on him with a benevolent indifference, maybe a little like the way he saw and walked through this world of flesh and blood, of have and have not, of choice and the chosen. He was here and among us, though the faces and the sounds of this place were often a blur of wonder and chaos, a wide-screen, 360-degree cinematic spectacle from which there would be no refuge. He knew rough treatment and rude commandments. He knew mindful discipline like he knew abandonment and the steel-eyed embrace of convenience. For all the power of his song and the thousand times he sang, he did not know the sound of his own voice. And in the infinite chorus of our human being, in a world that moves on so easily without us, to have and to claim a voice of such a singular distinction seemed to reek of indulgence. But there he stood in the many tired doorways of the endless maze of neighborhoods on the other side of the tracks. There he stood in the doorways of Ginaurai. His eyes still saw too much of the ground. The palms of his hands were still turned up to the sky. His song still drifted to the heavens and fell to earth on the peoples of Senegal. Mangisanti yala agyon in Debi. Mangisanti Senegal nerenabubach. Mangisanti Omar. Mangisanti Omar. Mangisant Omar. You'll find the recording of Omar's prayer on Zen Rant and on Senegal America Project, both by Tony Vaca. You'll find him on his website, tonyvaca.com. That one, Tony, starts out with a voice praying. I assume it's Omar's prayer. Mm. Is he praying in Wolof or is some other one other local language from Senegal? Yes, it's Omar singing a prayer, and he's mixing Arabic and Wolof as he knows it. He's singing a prayer. Remember, he's about nine. It's Omar and Jai, and Omar is walking the streets of Dakar as a prayer singer. And he's part of a collective, I guess you'd say, of young children who gather together to be taught, in some cases, to be taught the teachings of the Quran. But sometimes these collectives really fall apart and aren't really for the benefit of the children at all. And suddenly become the kids become the fundraisers for the person who's running this little collective, and pretty soon they're his indentured servants. Or if it stays true to its idea, they're being taught and they go out and their prayers bring the money back to help feed and clothe the kids. Some go beautifully and some go bad. 
That's how it starts with, and I literally met Omar. The voice you hear starting that song is Omar's, and he was singing that prayer the day before in the streets, and I heard him and saw him. And I told my friend Masamba Jope, the Tama drummer with Baba Ma, who's on some of these recordings, I said, did you hear that beautiful prayer? He says, oh, he comes by most days. And I said, boy, wouldn't it be cool if we found him and he could sing this, come in with us, because we had a lot of recording devices and we were creating recordings as we met really cool musicians. So Omar came in and he was a little concerned, like, what am I doing in this room? And what are those, you know... I I could just see the kid there. I I could just see Omar just like, what? (laughs) Right. I mean, he's not a performer. He's singing, but he's not looking around for an audience. He's singing strong. And it's coming out of his mouth, and he's slowly walking down the street. And people come up to him, and he very shyly accepts the equivalent of a penny or two or a sugar cube or a button, goes in his little tin can that he's going to bring back. And Masamba tells him, it's cool, come on in. He sings the song. We snap our fingers to his uh, sort of the beat of his song. And later I add instruments. Well, the best part of the story is two years later I come back and I have the recording and we play it on the radio. Uh, And I'm a little concerned because I'm not sure how people will respond to a prayer being sung and drums with it on a radio. But I know Baba Mal has done this kind of thing and so it's acceptable, maybe. So we play it, and everybody digs it, and the word is like, so who's Omar? And what do you know, Omar shows up at Masamba's house, and there he is, and he's just beaming because everyone's talking about Omar, and it's him. To fast forward like 10 years later, Omar is out of that collective on his own, and now I can literally pay him money that he can keep, and I pay him $250 that I would have paid him as a musician to be on the CD back when he did it. And he's just standing there looking at me, blinking, going, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, a promise is a promise, man. I, I told Nisamba I wanted to pay Omar. He said, be careful, because if you pay Omar... He will do the right thing. He'll bring it back, and he'll give it to the collective, and you can do that if you want to. I said, that's not quite, I mean, I see that, but only Omar sung this, and only, this was Omar's thing. I want to honor what Omar did. And Masama said, then you're going to have to wait until he's finished with that. So it turned out beautifully, and I found Omar 10 years later. When at 3 in the morning, my phone rings, home in Waitley, right here where I'm standing. I pick up the phone. He doesn't know much English, so he sings his prayer on the phone. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, yeah. Right. And I'm just standing with my mouth open at 3 in the morning. I know who it is, and I have to try to gather enough wall off to say, you know, As-salamu alaykum nangadaf, kikanla, you know, and he knows. He's like, ah, yes, you're welcoming me in peace. This is Omar, and I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. You know, that's, that's what's happening. <laughs> so, oh, wow. a, amen for Omar. And yeah, he, you know, I mean, the first line, one child's prayer rose to the sky in a land some thought God had forgotten. You know, that's how he sang. Like, mm. whew, what, what a beautiful, daring thing he was doing. And I just couldn't help telling his story years later. It's a different raw edge of religion, of spirituality that we don't get much here. We're just too comfortable, too well padded, I'd say. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, what I hope for us is 
to honor our good fortune. You know, if you're going to be fortunate, then use it wisely. If you're going to be affluent in comparison to many parts of the world, you don't have to apologize. But you do owe it to yourself and others to use it wisely. Turn it into more. You have more. Turn that more into more. You know, in my case, it means make the recordings, let the music become the engine of not just philanthropy, but connections between human beings. And I've been so absurdly blessed to have my music inspire people to want to support what they thought was just my little circle of friends and musicians, you know, to help us make the music. But what happened was the music helped alert people to our connections and the connections opened their hearts to feeling connected. Some people went on this trip, and next thing you know, whole schools responded by, by sending mosquito nets. 3,500 mosquito nets came directly from our project and saved countless lives right in the neighborhood on the streets where Omar walked and sang, including Omar. He got a mosquito net, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? And isn't, there it is. Omar sings his prayers on the street as a little kid, and 10 years later, the neighborhood winds up getting 3,500 mosquito nets. Well, let's finish with one more song for your song of the soul. Tony, where do you want to end up? Ooh, well, I guess we'll end up almost at the beginning in a, in a funny way. Well, the last one's I Am Waiting, and it's a reference. I mean, it's my own poem and my own creation, but it's a reference back to when I was in high school, and poetry went from keep that stuff away from me to, hey, I didn't know this that this kind of thing could be. And it's a reference to the whole beat poetry movement, which I was totally unaware of. And when my high school teacher said, we're doing poetry, you know, I just kind of gagged and, you know, we walked into the <laughs> library. And this is true. I, really, I literally walked into the library and I just, not looking, I reached my hand into the poetry section and pulled something out with a little snarly attitude and look at it. And it's like Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Coney Island of the Mind. Well, it's just a book of poetry to me, but for those who dug the beat poetry thing, you say Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and they know who you mean. And Coney Island of the Mine is really a, a known piece of poetry, a real tome to what the beat poetry thing was about. And Lawrence Ferlinghetti had one called I Am Waiting, and I happened to open to that, and it said, and my favorite line was, I'm waiting for the American Eagle to get down off that flagpole and fly right. And I went, oh! this is poetry and then i look at the beginning of the section in which it is in and it says this section of the poems to be read to jazz accompaniment and i just went have i fallen into an alternate universe here <laughs> really jazz accompaniment and poetry we're not talking flowers and <laughs> people in you know, with white gloves on we're talking wait what so it was the beginning of my realization that poetry could have an attitude that fit with me <laughs> <laughs> And so years later, I realized I had been waiting for some things a little too long, a little, I had, I'd been using patience and waiting in a way that wasn't serving my purpose. And so I, the first line is, I'm waiting in the Coney Island of my mind for the return of Lawrence Ferlinghetti. <laughs> so it was kind of a, yeah, I'm waiting for folks like that to speak up again. And, and I guess what I was really saying is, so I'll start it. I'll speak up, you know, on behalf of that. Mm -hmm. You know, my favorite line actually is one where you refer to shaking your fist at God and for God to say it's goddamn hard being God. I just yes, love yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know. It just all fell into place because that phrase goddamn hard. I heard it a lot as a kid. 
Anthony, it's goddamn hard dealing with your attitude. You got to shape it up, boy, or <laughs> whatever, you know. What are you doing, man? This is goddamn tr- man, this is trouble, man. Nothing but goddamn trouble, you know, like that. <laughs> and so, you know, being God, what was it? Uh, I'm waiting to shake my fist at God and hear God say, being God is goddamn hard. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Couldn't help it. It just fit, I guess. You know, Tony, both the concert I was at, the energy that you were feeding, that that you were building, the electricity you're sending through us, which is connected to other continents, which Mm -hmm. is a big... And, and, you know, actually the last line, I am waiting, the moment we all simultaneously know peace. Mm. You do so much to bring that through the rhythms, through shaking us into that alternate awareness that we miss too often. I'm thankful for the work you're doing, bringing spirit here on the earth, and for sharing your message today in Song of the Soul. Well, I guess we are kindred spirits because, you know, we just sort of bumped into each other, and it seemed like the light went on and stayed on. So (laughs) we're, we're lucky like that. Again, we've been speaking with Tony Vaca, website TonyVaca.com, T-O-N-Y-V-A-C-C-A.com. Follow him via NorthernSpiritRadio.org. Thank you so much, Tony. And thank you to Zam Lombardo, who invited me to the Quaker meeting, and that's why you and I are talking right now. (laughs) (laughs) And we end today's Song of the Soul interview with Tony Vaca with his song, I Am Waiting. Remember to check out northernspiritradio.org for one more song of Tony's as a bonus excerpt. And we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. I am waiting. I'm waiting in the Coney Island of my mind for the return of Lawrence Ferlinghetti. I'm waiting sad and lonely trying to find the next new true savior, but I bet he's been detained. I'm waiting for the lights to come on in the souls of the lost and brokenhearted for the wounded to be whole. I'm waiting for the sweet smiles to return to the faces of lovers betrayed and burned. I'm waiting for the river of our sorrows to run dry for a minute, a day, or a whole month. I'm waiting for balance between the bold and the meek. I'm waiting for us all to heed Rasan's seek and listen. I'm waiting for a sweet funkadelic embrace For my joys and my sorrows to show on my face And claim every tear and whole body high for us all And accept that we're all gonna die I'm waiting to shake my fist at God And hear God say being God is goddamn hard I'm praying for the hopes of our prayers to come true And I'm looking for me and hoping to find you And what's left of heaven for fists to become open hands I'm waiting for when the other shoe finally lands I'm waiting for the heavens to bring their sweet rain and for this thirsty earth to know spring again I'm waiting for a plane to fly me home I'm waiting to lay down my weary bones of despair disappointment, discourage and rage I'm waiting to gently turn the final page I'm waiting to feel the delicate light of a thousand stars on your body tonight I'm waiting for a night when I dream for you for the tears you cry for your dreams coming true. I'm waiting for a moment that will wait for me I'm waiting to get in my own bathroom Just to see how I look Or who's in the mirror today 
I'm waiting to hear the Pope finally say, hey, you made a mistake, don't be so uptight. I'm waiting for the final word on wrong from right. I'm waiting for the day when all the cars ride into Wasser's spiral and disappear inside. I am waiting for the weight of the world to be lifted. I am waiting for the weight of the world to be lifted, not from our shoulders, but to them. We are gifted with powers so far beyond measure. I'm waiting for us to claim this burden, this treasure. I'm waiting for our tears to fall back in a sky of infinite forgiveness for you and I. I am waiting for our sorrows to flow to a sea of finite tomorrows for an infinite humanity. I am waiting and waiting at the end of the line. I'm waiting for the moment when we actually find all the time from the question where did the time go and I am waiting for the moment we all simultaneously know peace. Music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song